As a church, <clears throat> we celebrate amazing grace. Not just the song, and not just the story behind the song, but the fact that God's grace is always amazing. And the story of someone like John Newton is really just a story that all of our lives reflect. That we find ourselves in need of something outside of ourselves to lift us from a place of brokenness, a place of sin, a place of despair. And we call out and cry out to God and he answers us. And in his kindness and in his patience and in his loving kindness, he causes us to grow. A tiny seed is planted and we grow and grow and grow into something that reflects his beauty and his grace. We connect to God by his grace alone so we can offer grace to others and refrain from judgment. That's what we have said in our, our vision statement that we've been handing out that says that this is who we, what we reflect. We connect to God by his grace alone, and so we offer grace to others and refrain from judgment. A simple verse that we could hang our hats on today as a, as a focus verse as we think about grace today is, freely you have received, freely give. The gift of grace was given to each one of us freely by Jesus Christ on the cross. We talked about the cross. We talked about the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus last week. And that was all God's free gift to us so that we could experience life eternal. And what we are asked to do in receiving that grace is to share that grace with others. The full verse of uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8 says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We celebrate today grace that saves a wretch like me. You know, it's interesting when we look at the story of John Newton and he refers to himself as a wretch in the song Amazing Grace. And many of us identify with that idea that we are a wretch. We are broken. We need help. Now, Early on in his life, John Newton saw the things. He saw himself as a blasphemer. He saw himself as one who gave no regard to God, who who spoke out against God and and swore against God. He saw this as a, as a, 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 um, a moving away from the things his mother taught him. He knew the scriptures as a child. He knew the, the hymns of Isaac Watts we learned this morning. He could quote those scriptures, he could quote those hymns, but somewhere in his life he turned away from God and he he accepted a life of debauchery. And those are the things that when he was probably writing this, he thought of himself as a wretch. And so if we think of only those kind of people as a wretch that needs God's amazing grace, we miss something. You see, there's no guarantee that John Newton was any more less a wretch when he quoted scripture and sung hymns than he was when he captained a slave ship and he blasphemed against God. In fact, every person who does not acknowledge that they need the grace of God is wretched in their sin. You see, the thing that separates us from God is not our moral failures. It's not the fact that we, we um, have... Uh, participated in certain acts of debauchery, or even that we have blasphemed God. 
what keeps us from God, what keeps us is the fact that we don't acknowledge that we need God, that we think we can do it ourselves. So whether we use religion as our crutch or we use education as our crutch or we use um, some other belief system as our crutch, if we stand in a place that says, I don't need God's grace, I'm good enough the way I am, then we are a wretch and we need to be saved. We all need to see ourselves in need of the love of God, his work of grace on the cross. Newton said, I once was blind, but now I see. Many people are blind to our need of grace simply because we view life through a wrong lens. Why did John Newton originally, when he came to Christ, when he made that that prayer of, of calling out to God in that storm, why did it take him so many years to come to a place where he saw his participation in the degradation of the slave trade, in the, in the torture of humanity, why did it take him so long to see that? Why did it take him so long to see that, that his complicity with the slave trade was something that was offensive to the God who loved him and saved him? It's a great picture of God's amazing grace when you consider that God took a man like John Newton who was involved in a sin so grievous to us today, we would understand it as being a horrific thing to, to take people from their homes, to rip them from their homes, shackle them in chains, beat them, torture them, rape them, do all kinds of horrible things to them and use them for our own economic gain. We would see that as a horrible thing. But for John Newton, he didn't see it as a horrible thing for many, many years. How is that? How could that be? Well, I think it's like many of us. We don't see how wretched we really are and how we are complicit with the enemy so often because we are looking through the lens of the world and not through the lens of Jesus. We don't put ourselves in a place to see things as Jesus sees them. We would rather see things the way the world sees them. And John Newton lived in a world where slavery was accepted. Not just accepted, it was supported. It was, it was seen as being crucial to the economic stability of their country. Elections were won based on people's, people's um, uh, position on the slave trade and support of the slave trade. Because people saw this as something that was, was, was part of the empire's stability, and its superiority in the world. You see, the, the British Empire at the time thought they had a sovereign right to rule the world. And that meant ruling black people from Africa who had no education, who, had no, had, who didn't know the, the superior life form that the British believed that they knew. And they believed it was their right to take those slaves from Africa and put them in the West Indies to, to farm their, their sugarcane and to support their system of trade. You see, John Newton bought into that because that was the narrative of the empire. That was the narrative of his day. And he didn't see that he himself was complicit in that work. He was blind, but when he wrote 
amazing grace, he said, now I see. John Newton talked about grace that leads us home. You see, grace isn't just for that very instant that we call out to God and we are saved. Grace is not just about being born again, coming to Christ, becoming part of God's family. Whatever phraseology we want to use for, grace is not just about that moment. Grace is the journey that takes us from that place and brings us to the place where we go home. It's that grace is all about the journey that takes us from, from, from our, our dim view of reality and humanity and enlightens us and opens our eyes to see the truth. It's grace that caused his eyes to see and it's grace that led him home. It's grace that transformed his heart from not just being a blasphemer but from being a slave trader to becoming a crusader for the, the rights of humanity, for his influence over people like William Wilberforce, who, who fought in Parliament for, the, for the, the, uh, the ending and the abolition of slavery. It was this transformation of the journey of his life. It was the patience and the loving kindness of God that brought him through in his lifetime from being that wretched slave trader, blasphemer, to becoming a man on his deathbed that people praised for his courage and for, his, for his, his willingness to stand up for what is right, even against the power of the empire that he belonged to. You see, the grace of God is not something that we just enjoy for a moment when we come to him and we, we, we proclaim our sinfulness and our need for him We all depend upon the grace of God every moment of the journey of our life. Because our eyes are dim, we are deceived in many ways by the enemy and by the world, and we need that unfolding of God's grace, that patience, that kindness. And that's why we we say that we offer grace without judgment. Because you see, if God were to judge us according to our sins... Even those of us who've been on the journey for a long time, if God were to judge us according to our sins, we would be be destroyed. King David said that, that God does not judge us according to our sins because we, we, we can't even fathom the fact of the sin that we are complicit in in our life. It's only God's grace that keeps us going in the process of redemption. We call that, in theological terms, sanctification. That's the work of grace in our life. The Methodists called that the second work of grace. Salvation was the first work of grace, and then it was the second work of grace that brought sanctification to our life and brought us into a place where God could receive us home. We all need grace every moment. There's not a one of us in this room that can say that we have stopped needing the grace of God. There's not one of us in this room that could say we don't need our eyes to be opened further to the darkness of our own soul and to the the complicity that we have with the world systems around us. The concept of judging one another began in the garden when when Eve and Adam ate from the fruit and they understood the, the, the difference between good and evil, or at least they thought they did. You see, God had told them, don't eat of that fruit. Don't eat of that fruit because, yes, 
it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And once you eat that fruit, you will become judgmental of one another and of all the people around you. And God wanted to keep for himself that right to judge others. But no, they heard the, they heard the temptation of the serpent and they took and immediately their eyes were open and they began to judge one another. They saw their nakedness, they saw their faults, they saw their flaws. They began to blame one another. They began to, they began to argue with one another. They hid from God. Their sons murdered one another. It all began when they began to judge one another. You see, the one thing that we need to keep ourselves from, if we really understand how amazing God's grace is, we need to step back from our judgment for others. We need to be prepared to let God do his work in the life of the person that's beside us this morning. They may be broken. You may be able to see faults in their life. You may be able to see failures in their life. But you need to trust the same God that, whose grace has you on a journey has them on a journey. That's why Jesus said, don't judge your brother by looking at the splinter in their eye because you have a beam in your own eye. Just take care of what's in your own eye. I'll take care of the splinter in the other person's eye. We value, I value that kind of grace here. I value the kind of grace that, that understands that each one of us are on the journey of grace and we haven't, our eyes haven't been completely open. Some of us are blind by our, 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 our moral failures, our, our propensity towards sin. Some of us are blind by our addiction. Some of us are blinded by greed. Some of us are blinded by our religion and our self-righteousness. We all have the things that trip us up along the way and we need to understand that God's grace is for us and it's for that person that stands beside us that we would like to judge. That's the kind of amazing grace that I value and that I call you to value as a community of believers as well. Jesus told a story about two men who came to church. They came and they came uh, to the altar, came to the front of their church and they were praying. And one cried out to God and said, Lord, I'm thankful that you have done so much in my life, and I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that man over there. And that man was praying at the same time, Lord, forgive me, I'm a wretched sinner. Jesus told the story like this. He said, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, that's a religious man, and the other was a despised tax collector, a sinner. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, this prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, Jesus said, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When I look out at our congregation, I see where some of you have come from. As a pastor, I get to know many of your stories. Some of you, I don't know your story. I only know bits and pieces of it. Some of you, I know what you have struggled with, what sadness has hurt and befallen you. And if you are honest, you'll see that you are as much a recipient of the grace of God as others. 
Some of you have been caught in sin. Some of you have faltered and failed. Some of you have been the, the, the victim of other people's choices. When I look across this room, I see every one of us needing the grace of God at different points and different seasons in our life. And if it were not for the grace of God, where would we be? Some people have actually criticized us as a church. Some people have left and went other places because they said, the message of grace that I preach is too inclusive. Some have drawn a line in the sand and said, this is too much. I don't judge them for their choices. They're on their own journey and God will carry them on. But I will say that I believe that if we cannot fellowship in a place where sinners stand, then we have a slim understanding of God's amazing grace. If we don't recognize that the person standing beside us is a sinner and that we too are sinners in need of God's grace, then we have missed something about how wonderful and how amazing God's grace is. What do you need God's grace to overcome today? Jesus said, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You can only give the grace of God to others at the place where you have received it. It's only where you, can, where you have experienced this amazing grace can you truly be a person that, that is able to share that grace with others. Are you feeling the weight of sin? God's grace is here for you.